What's going on, Radio Free Estevan listeners, and welcome to Radio Free Estevan, a gaming podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Scott here. Go and say what's going on, Scott. What up? And powerful Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, guys? We had to do it all over again. This is the second time we did the intro because uh, for some reason, man, my mic was super low. But what can you do? I think it was cursed because the first time I did it, I introduced Ryan first instead of Scott, and I think that was like that was pretty much that was the nail in the coffin that this was going to be a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> if we could, we're, we're a dogmatic group over here, so you know. <laughs> yeah. So we got a pretty good episode for you guys. Basically, first things first, we got to talk about we've been busy. Okay, we haven't ditched this podcast and just not record for a week we we went on youtube and powerful ryan powerful scott and powerful chris all got together and they explained how to get started in battletech if you go to warhammer30k.com it'll take you to a youtube page (laughs) (laughs) and you will have an introduction to battletech both episode one and episode two there. It'll give you two intros to Battletech. We did it last week. Uh, the links are also on our Facebook page. We just go to the RFI Facebook page. The links Boy, are there. We, we really put all our eggs in one basket with that URL, did we? <laughs> <laughs> we could, we, I mean, we have RadioForIstvan.com, but that goes to our, our, our Facebook page. Warmer30K goes to the YouTube. I mean, we could really buy any URL. I could, I could probably buy the URL right now. Let's see. Google domains and then what, what I don't, would be a good domain name? I don't care one way or the other the domain we should be looking for would be uh, forge world cost too much dot com is that available here we go uh, and yes it is available so I'll go ahead and buy this domain nice. right now <laughs> we don't need that domain. <laughs> and I will go ahead and check out. And we will go ahead and if you to go to Forge World costs too much right now, it will redirect you to the introduction to BattleTech uh, video. I will make it only go to that that page right there. So if you go to, to be that fair, page, it's not just Forge World that costs too much. It should be Games Workshop costs too much dot com, but. Forge World's fine, I guess. Yep, that works. Well, shit, do I go get that one? I'm not playing. (laughs) (laughs) I found out the other day that I lost uh, rogoporn.com because I didn't renew it. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Oh, no. Did somebody else buy it? Uh, Possibly. If they didn't, they just bought it now. Okay, there we go. And the forwarder is now running. So there, ForgeWorldCostTooMuch.com now goes to your introduction to Battletech video. That'll be up there for you. There you go. Hey, I'm, I'm springing this on you guys right now. I want to do a part three. Oh, nice. Jesus. Let's do it. What's in the part three? I want to go, go over the weapons and how, like, what different weapon systems do and what they're useful for. Like, if you're wanting something to go after vehicles, these are your better options. If you want some flexibility, this is what you should run. That kind of thing. Oh, man, I, I just think realized that's I should have used the 2, T-O-O, not T-O, right? 
Yes. Uh, I use TO one one O. God damn it, Michael. That's dumb. That's dumb on my part. But no, I absolutely what do we agree, Ryan. Pay you for? <laughs> you should absolutely do something on the weapon systems because I have no idea what any weapon yep. system on See, any. See, because we we talked about because in the intro, the intro intro, we talk about basically just like if you're totally new to the universe, know nothing, like basically just how to look mechs up, what websites are useful, a little bit about the lore, where you get the models, where you get alternate models, where you download the rules, you know what what the different types of books are, because there's like several different types of books, but not all of them are rules. Not all of them are flawed. Like they're, they do different things for you. So we talk about all that. And then in part two, it's for people that know all that, but want to know like, uh, how you use some of those resources more in depth, how you look at a mech and kind of decide like, you know, uh, how, how does the damage apply to a mech when you shoot it? How do the little critical slots work? The difference between um, the different eras, like it breaks down more like how you put a list together, things like that. The the capstone to that would be you kind of need to know what the different weapon systems are. Like if you don't know what a LBX-10 is or does or what it's good for, whatever, when you see a mech that has one, or how do you know if that's a good mech? How do you know if that's what you're looking for? You don't really, we didn't really get into that. And if I cover the weapon systems um, on top of the other two videos, you should like be 90% there. You should be able to basically listen to those videos and then literally start putting together a list and pretty much know what you're doing. I agree. I definitely have no idea what any weapons do. I really go on uh, use my mechs as a delivery system, not a fire platform. And so... Yes. Yeah, that will not work out well in the long run. No, you can have no, a little bit of that. It is a bold move. It is a bold <laughs> move. <laughs> I assume that my Kodiak has giant claws for a reason, and we'll use them if necessary. So, uh, it does not. It does nothing for you. You can punch with them, but any mech can do that. So, well, that is. I'll, I'll tell you this: it makes up for it because it has a metric fuck ton of guns. So, yeah. Scott, It'll talk to just... me. Sell me on, sell me on Flames of War, Scott, because I've just dropped this game. I got a printer for sale, guys. If y'all are interested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, your Kodiak can punch. Just the claws don't do anything. Yeah, and it hits really goes. hard because it's a hundred tonner, so it goes off weight. There's also a variant with triple string mimers, which you do kick damage with your punches, so you punch for twenty, which is as much as basically any weapon except a heavy Gauss rifle, I think, or a long time. You have a one in six chance to hit someone in the face too, and that's an instant kill in the most brutal and concise way possible. Yeah, you, you literally, literally just punch the enemy through mech. the fucking cockpit and smash the pilot inside. Yeah, you just punch its head off, <clears throat> or skewer his ass like a shish kebab on those ornate claws you have and fling him at it, fucking fellows. <laughs> Little, little, wow, I was the only one who right thought there. that was funny. Now I know I'm a monster. Great, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a part in a novel where somebody uh, punches through the cockpit and grabs the pilot out in front of like all their troops, and then holds the guy up in their hand, and then like squeezes him in the hand and just wrings the life out of him in the hand of the mech, and then slowly turns their hand over, just drops it on the ground, and then everybody just fucks off on the enemy side. That sounds brutal, but beautiful. 
<laughs> Brutal, if anything. Yeah. So, but anyway, those videos are out there. We haven't been lazy. Uh, no. We had to basically do them in YouTube form because it, it, they were. I had to present it in a way where you could see what we we're talking about. I think they came out real well, uh, especially the second one. That's probably my favorite one. And everything came out very, very. You you did you did your job. You did your job. You you definitely explained everything, except the guns. That is something that I am still confused yeah. about, but. I mean, you can't get yep. it all at first. And time. to be honest, the gun episode we could we should probably do it YouTube as well, just so they're a series all together. But the guns one, you you could do that all audio. You don't really need anything visual with the guns. But right. I mean, we might as well do it, I guess. And we could just maybe take the audio and put it up both as an episode and on YouTube. That way, you can find it all in one spot. Sure. Easy enough. Easy enough. So anyway. That's what we were doing, guys. That's where we were. This episode, we're going to go over some of our hobby progress. We're going to talk about some of the things we've learned this week as far as like uh, things we've been getting into. Actually, the things we've learned in the past two weeks. Uh, then I'll see if we have any voicemails or emails. I believe that we have some event shout-outs that are in our message box that we need to go over. And then uh, we'll close out with some music. So what have you guys been working on, man? What's... Uh, Oh, fuck. So much. Scott has, like, a year's worth of hobby progress, but go ahead. You want me to go? Yes. Okay. Fuck me. Uh, Well, I now own two 3D printers, um, though I've never even started one. And the reason I own them is because um, in March, John Stanford is going to come up from Texas and teach a intro to 3D printing class here at the game barn because the game barn will be built by then God and we're going to uh have two different styles of printer one is the uh the one yep and the other one is what is it f yeah so we have those are kind of the two would you say those are the two most popular types or the two most affordable types that people like us use I'd say affordable, yeah. The it, there's a, there's a couple. There's SLA resin, which is way more expensive. That's like professional grade printing, and then there's a yeah. DLP, which is like, you know, kid level. <laughs> okay, so we're the in between. We got the two uh, mediocre ones. We wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and right. um, but, but there are two different ways to print. I one is to print uh like smaller things in a in a higher definition, and one is to print like larger things that for the scale is still decent, you know, decent definition, but for a much cheaper price when you're printing larger things. Would you say that's accurate, Michael? Oh, dude, price-wise, there's no comparison. Uh, so the thing is, like, with a DLP printer, because you're using resin to, and for one, I guess just for starters, we're talking about the Anycubic Photon uh, DLP printer, and you have a vat of resin that you cure a vat of caustic dangerous resin that you <laughs> cure <laughs> yeah i had to make that real clear you cure with uh, pixels of an lcd screen uh using digital light projection and that cures the resin one pixel at a time at a 2k resolution uh the entire and then it uses a build platform it only has to worry about the z axis and so the platform comes down it 
basically blazes, uh, cures a piece of resin onto the bed of the printer, and then that bed moves up a little bit more, and then it be- and then it brazes the next level and basically just cures it in that fashion. Now, because the resolution is so fine, you can get some extremely, extremely fine detail in these models. The only problem is, is the current setup for those models, like the the current like the the AnyCubic Photons build plate is not great. It's a very small build plate, so you aren't going to be printing something massive, and the cost of one liter of that resin is about a hundred bucks. Now, you compare that <coughs> to this FLM printer I have right here, and I bought a entire kilogram of filament which is a shitload of plastic and i bought the pro the pla plus which is like a little bit higher grade pla and i got that for 19.99 and i can probably like that'll probably print five six times more than the resin that you're printing from the dlp printer it's not as high resolution though no. So the thing is, with the DLP printer, you're printing down to micron levels. And with this uh, FLM, I think the best I can do with my AnyCubic Mega is a 0.1 millimeter for each layer. And uh, that's, I mean, the details aren't going to be there like they would be on a DLP printer. But because we're not printing miniatures, we're printing pretty good-sized mechs, then uh, a lot of those details aren't necessary. You know, you're not printing. No. like You don't need a, a bolt or anything like that. These are full-grown models and all that stuff. One thing I don't like about, like, you get layers. You get the layer, uh, the layer lines in DLP printing, but it's so fine because the layers are so small that you, you don't really notice them. One thing I don't like about FLM printers is the layer lines between each 0.2 millimeter. It kind of kind of bothers me. But in this, you know, in this uh, these past few days, which will go into my hobby progress, I've learned a lot about these FLM printers and how to uh, hide a lot of those things. So we'll go over that in my hobby progress, but we'll let you keep going with your... Uh, yeah. So anyway, we're me and John, me and John have talked about it, and we're going to have a class here in Indiana over that. And we're looking at a fifty dollar price tag for a two day class. And you'll you'll learn how to use both those printers from an intro level, like having zero knowledge and being able to leave. And if you had one of those printers, being able to immediately jump in and start printing shit, which I think is pretty good value. I think so. Fifty bucks, hell yeah! And you're in the heart of gaming country. Yeah. Yep. So you'll get a hangout. Um, so we'll probably have 20 spots, I think, is what we talked about. And I, John's working on the syllabus right now, so I don't have like super mega details. Well, I can tell you the date. I don't. These aren't the exact dates. I mean, obviously it could change, but we're looking at like the second weekend of March, I believe. Um, I think it was March 9th and 10th, if I remember correctly. Let me look. And for, but anyway, I've been for you guys out there who are like, I don't know who John Stanford is, and I don't care who John Stanford is. Well, that's where <laughs> you're wrong, buddy. I uh, 
I, I, you, you probably like John Stanford is a name that we know on the Crusader host as a fabricator general. If you're new to the podcast or you don't know about that name, John is like the most hobby titan dude that I know. Like this guy has his hands in everything. Like he can do pretty much anything he sets his mind to and always comes through with like some over the top. Like you, you, you kind of like John is like one of those few people where you're like, you know, he's going to complete a task and no matter what you imagined he was going to do, he's always just going to like over, like it's always every time he's going to blow your mind. He's going to like just overshoot it. You're going to be like, holy shit. I could not have imagined like even in my best imagination that would not have been that well. That's John. Yeah. And he just so, and like he's so humble about it. He'll just like come forward and be like, "Oh yeah, I modeled up this." And you're like, "What? In what time, John? Like, what do you do? You sleep?" <laughs> ah. He just like, shows up. That's John. So, it's, yeah, you, you, it's totally worth fifty bucks. It's bonkers. Yep. It's two. Da- it's two days, and um, we can talk about because my basement will be emptied out at the time. So. Because we'll be in the the game barn, so we could put like some air mattresses down barrack style. If you're super fucking cheap and don't mind sleeping in a room with like eight people, just barrack style on air mattresses. But there's also really close hotels that are, you know, they're nice hotels, but they're not expensive. They're like seventy bucks a night for a room with two beds. So it really the cost would basically your main cost would be the travel. But if you're close enough to drive that wouldn't even be bad. But like I said, I'll even put you up for free at my place if you're willing to sleep on an air mattress. But um, anyway, yeah, it looks like we're looking at the ninth and the 10th when I get full details and start taking payments on what to come to the glass and all that. I'll let everybody know, but working on that. And I bought those two printers specifically to have printers here for that class, but I also need to set them up and learn how to use them. So we've been getting really hot and heavy into that. I have read since the last time we actually recorded uh, an episode like this non-YouTube, which has been about three weeks. Um, I think I've read five or six Battletech novels. Um, I've also paint. I've painted uh, probably ten, ten new mechs and four vehicles for Battletech, and uh, been looking into a lot of this three D printer stuff. I'm trying to think if I did anything else. I've had two game club nights where we've played some games. Me and Scott started our Battletech uh, campaign. We can talk more about that a little later if we want to. I'm trying to think what else I did. I think that's pretty much it. And then the status people keep asking me about the barn. So the barn, the I don't know what we talked about last time. The foundation's 100% done. Floor's 100% done. The underground, like, drains for the gutters are done the geothermal loop is put in and done and stubbed up through the floor um all of the framing materials so like your osb your uh your wall you know the studs for the walls the trusses for the roof uh the black paper for the roof all that shit is sitting in my driveway and they're supposed to start framing tomorrow Mm. that's sweet and we also, me and my wife, were talking about it. The way it's set up, my lot slopes away from the road, and where the barn is at, the back side of the barn uh, is would it would almost be like a walkout. We could probably do a walkout basement if we wanted to, but we don't want to put a basement in it. So the slope on the back starts diving off pretty aggressive. 
So we talked about, well, if you put a deck out there that went eight feet out, you'd have like this really nice elevated deck area that just overlooks the woods. Like that's all you'd see is pretty woods and like a ravine. So we decided to go ahead and do that. And we got to looking at it because we don't really want to mow or upkeep the grass because it's a super fucking aggressive slope. So we were like, if we cover that with a deck, you don't really have to take care of it, you know, because it's covered. And then you can just put lattice or whatever around the outside of the deck where you don't see it and you don't have to mow it or do whatever. Plus you'd have this deck. So we ended up going with that option. So we're going to have a deck that's 64 feet long and eight feet wide. <laughs> so like an eight or 900 square foot deck. So, and it'll be covered. So not only will I be able to fit like the 24 gaming tables inside, I should be able to fit like eight or eight to 10 tables on the deck. If it, the weather was nice outside where people wanted to play outside. Fuck yeah, dude. That would be so fucking sweet, man. That way, like, because when you hold an event, you can, like, get some fresh air. Go, like, especially if you had, like, a real sweet, like, uh, I don't know. how Like, how big is a deck supposed to be? It's 64 feet long and then 8 feet wide. Okay, okay. So not, like, fire pit, sit around a fire pit big, like, like uh, uh, what I'm imagining is a hot tub time machine big but it's like a veranda kind yeah. of yeah. it's yeah. and it wraps around on one corner but the part where that wraps around is going to be short but that'll be where the door goes out so you'll basically go out this door on the end and you'll have a shorter deck then when you walk around the corner it wraps around the big long side and then that wall okay sorry that that wall that splits the actual building from the deck We'll have four windows in it where you, like, if you're inside, you'll be able to look out the windows, like, and see the same view, you know, with the deck there. But, it, like I said, it'll be covered. So, even if it was, like, you know, a light rain or anything like that, as long as the temperature was nice and the wind wasn't blowing super aggressive, you could easily play out there. No problem. That's fucking cool, man. Especially as a place to chill, man. Like, like easy access to outside and you just go do your thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's I've been trying to think it out like as because it's it's purpose built for, you know, holding these events and gaming and stuff. So, like I said, I'm going to put that uh, the special lighting in there that's, you know, supposed to be the best for miniature painting and displaying miniatures. And I'm going to have like, you know, when you put your washer dryer in, you know, the dryer vent that goes outside that size thing with the little flap on the outside when you run your dryer. Yeah, yep. I'm going to put Put, a, put like three or four of them along the wall for the paint, the airbrush booths, so you can hook into them going down the wall if you had an airbrush booth. And then I'm putting all the the bathroom fart fans in the ceiling, like a bank of six down each side for ventilation. Can you so put when a, Jason Hall goes in there and commits a fucking war crime abortion and just blows it out the roof instead of killing everyone inside? Exactly. That too. You can get rid of the gamer funk, like you're in there and you got to... Bu- Say I want to host a magic tournament and nobody's bathed in five days. Hose those fuckers off, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's not like gaming Auschwitz. We're not going to tell people it's the showers and it's not, but you know what I mean? Like, we'll... You maybe won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, uh, you know, just herd them in there and then just turn the fucking fan on just suck the funk right off of them. Just <laughs> blow it right out the roof. Are you going to get one of those big-ass fans? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it should be, you know, it should be really good. Um, 
And then I, I've double, we've talked about it on here before, but I've, I've double widened my driveway and then it has that little T section off for the building. So I've like expanded my parking, how you get in and out. And then early next spring, I can't do it now. It's too late in the year, but uh, in springtime, they're going to come out and uh, pave everything in blacktop. So it'll have solid surface out there and it'll be nice. And Chris Duncan has already scheduled the first. He's got a 40K uh, GT scheduled already in May. I think the first week of May, we're going to host a big 40K GT, like a 40-some person event. Jesus. Don't know what to say. Sounds like a plan, So, Yeah, I'm going to have to come up with a fucking calendar for people to schedule events on so events don't overlap. We've got to do that. Uh, I got a big whiteboard that I found at work in quotations found at work. It's like a four by eight whiteboard so we can draw as many dicks on it as we want out there. Have that on the wall. Michael still owes me a bronze statue. Still, I'm holding him to that. Our buddy Eric uh, made me a really cool piece of artwork. He found a, a really nice like map that somebody had made, but it, like for a video game or something. I don't know. It's not like something you can buy. It's a map of the inner sphere in 3025. And he like did something and like had it special printed at poster size for me. It's like a cut, like it's not something you can go out and buy, like made it for me. So that's going to be like a piece of art I can hang up out there. Pretty pumped. I need to scan your head. That's what I need to do. We need to scan your head and buy bronze filament. Can you not just do, you know, they take those images like you've seen people do where they take an image of two people and then just like blend them together and you get like, if this people were blended, they would look like this. Just get Al Borland and Charlie Brown and just put them together and we're good to go. In like one eighth Khaled Sheikh Mohammed as well. So one eighth. (laughs) Allah. Akbar. Yeah, Jesus Christ, don't say that. They're listening. <laughs> they're watching you. They're watching yeah. you. They're, I guarantee they're watching your fucking webcam, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that's what I got going on. Um then like just doing a lot of like battle tech research for this campaign me and Scott are doing. It's fucking pretty intense. It was just funny that Michael brought that up before the show. He's like, Man, this is a lot of work looking up these mechs and trying to figure out what one I want to run or what. He has no idea. He's not even... He's on the fucking tip of the iceberg. He can just just (laughs) wait. Just wait. That's what makes it fun, though, man. I told you, it's like... It's so intense. Like that's It's like so much hobby. It's like quadrupling the hobby you get out of a model because it's so much harder to find the one you want to run and then getting that model made because they usually don't make that particular variant, so you're having to... 3D print pieces or find other models to cut up or convert something. Um, I think it's fun. I fucking love it. Like, that's what gets me into it. So I've been doing a lot of that. I built a lot of mechs, not just painted a lot of mechs. Um, Doesn't sound like 10 mechs is a lot to paint three weeks, and it's not, but I built a lot of them and then did a lot of research on what I want to do going forward. So That's me. What about you, Scott? What you been working on? Uh, so I got the next like 28 millimeter edition of my Baltech stuff painted up. And I think I threw pictures of that on the Facebook page and happy the way that came out. Uh, that is a Loki. So like a hellbringer, you know, for us planners. And, uh, 
that came out really well. I'm really grateful to Dave for all the time he put into it and uh, all the cleanup work he does. I have a little clearer picture of the amount of ass pain that he went through to give me the product in his, the shape that he gives it to you in, and it's really appreciated. Um, other than that, I've been painting. So I have a pretty big clan force. I'm starting to work on an inner sphere army as well, like a house Steiner sort of thing. And uh, I've got my first like company of mechs painted up. Some of them were a little out of scale. Like I had one one mech with this specifically. It's called a Thunderbolt. It was fucking way too big for some reason. Like it was fine. It looked great, but it was just huge. And uh, fortunately enough, Ryan had a spare, and I bought some off him yesterday, and I'm painting that up now. But uh, we were laughing because Scott came over, and I was like, "Man, I'm selling all these Battletech models. Like, they're I paid between thirteen and seventeen a model, but I don't really care. I just want ten dollars a model out of them. There's a whole stack of them over there." And Scott's like, "Fuck yeah!" He like grabbed a whole <laughs> handful. He's like, "Man, I just bought like over hundred dollars of Battletech shit just coming over here to play games." He's like, "I thought I could." get away from my computer for 10 minutes and that not happen. And I come here and buy more. <laughs> Never and then before he'd even made it home, cause he has a two hour drive home before he even made it home. I was on Stratos minis, uh, site and I'd already spent all the money and just took it right out of my, uh, <laughs> PayPal to buy more mechs that are just different. So we were joking about it and I posted up the circle of life, uh, thing from, uh, lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much how it works. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so doing that, I bought some mechs off him and um, getting all that shit ready. Also, I uh, I sold some stuff, and I'm going to be getting into Flames of War as well. So our buddy uh, Vincenza, we're going to fucking play Flames of War at, at Wargamer Camp. He's a Marine, so he wants to do the Marine landing at Tarawa. I'm going to fucking murder him. I'm playing the Japanese, so bonsai his ass and kick him back into the ocean. But uh, we're going to do that, and um, we're also going to get into the Eastern Front a little bit, build like a a Kursk style, you know, battlefield and stuff like that, so we can have a, just a boatload of fucking tanks and shoot each other. Have a good well, time. When you when you two. Uh old women decide to like, you know, play in a real scale and get into some bold action. I'll do that with you. Yeah, can't, nice. I can't do flames of war, but I, bold action is of a size that yeah. I would play. With I'm with you. I, I like flames. I like the bolt action scale a lot too. So maybe I'll get into that. But other, other than flames of war, also you gave me those, uh, test of honor boxes and I'm a yep. big, you know, Japanese samurai fan and a big fan of like beautiful Japanese history. So, Looking forward to painting those up. Our buddy Eric also got pretty hot and heavy into it. Bought a bunch of terrain, like a bunch of pagodas, stuff like that. So we'll uh, get that going as well. Yep. Oh, I finished my city table too. So that, yeah, I pictures of that shit up. Ryan gets to play on it next fucking Saturday. Yep, we got plans. It was pretty funny. We ran upstairs to my wife, like uh, the fucking. <laughs> Will Farrell and John C. Riley from Step Brothers, and we're like fidgeting around. And we were like, "Hey, uh, Emily, can Ryan come down to my house on Saturday and play some BattleTech?" And she's like, "Yes." So we were like, "Woo!" And we're dancing around. That's pretty much exactly what happened. She's like, "I don't care. You're 34." Like, yeah. <laughs> 
we're like, so you're saying yes. That's a yes, right? <laughs> uh, so, that's freaking yeah, awesome. I'm going to go down there Saturday. That table came out extremely nice, Scott. Like that, the Thanks, lighting bud. and everything like that. The, I mean, the egress off of that uh, highway doesn't look safe. But other than that, everything looks maybe not. But hey, man, <laughs> danger road. That's the yeah. that's the danger bypass. So, but uh, I'm gonna do one more table for Wargamer Camp. It's gonna be like really nice. It's gonna be kind of a forest mountain sort of theme. So we'll have a desert, we'll have a city, and then we'll have a forest and mountain theme. So well, and I can take the one that Scott and Eric or Scott, uh, Chris and Eric were playing on yesterday with like the mesas and stuff. I thought yep. it looked good. We yeah. can use that one too. And then I'll have all my little uh, city buildings painted up. And then I'm going to buy those ones from Sally Forth too, Scott. Nice. Um, so we'll have another one. I mean, I don't know that we'll need all that, but there are guys wanting to play Titanicus too. So when we're not doing Battletech or whatever, like we should have enough terrain that's roughly in that scale where if they yeah. wanted to use it for Titanicus, they can do that for their yeah, event. You could definitely use the city board for that as well, I'm, I'm sure. So if people want to, that, that'll be great. But that's the plan. Be on the lookout for that. and We'll get it going. It's fucking badass, dude. You want... Oh, uh, you want to do Michael's hobby progress and then talk about her campaign game? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Michael. Let's hear your progress. Oh, man. Where to start? Where to start? So, since we're three weeks old now, I had to go back into my pictures on my phone to see what I've been sharing pictures of. And so, looks like we haven't talked about it, but I found a guy online. Okay, so let me talk about my Mordians. I'm working on Mordians. <laughs> I found a guy online. That's how it always starts. That's how it always starts. <laughs> so I've been working on Mordians, right? Uh, we have a 40K Escalation League in our town. And me coming off of Heresy Camp and everything like that, I was in this, like, paint everything mood. Like, it was like, I don't care what I'm painting. I'm going to go to town. I'm going to just paint the world. And so, really, I've just been at my desk, whatever's in front of me, if it's dust, if it's a fishing lure. I think of the last few episodes we talked about where I was just going to town and just painting fucking everything. And so, my Mordians came from both a combination of those two things. And so, those have been rocking and rolling. I think, really, once you guys, like... Uh, like you guys that are listening probably know that once you get an army going, if you find a deal on something, you just buy it and you're like, yeah, I could use that in my army. Fuck it. I can use that in my army. Fuck it. I can use that in my army. Fuck it. And it came to the point where like, I think now I have like 4,000 some odd points of these Mordians that like just it, probably about 2,500 to 3,000 of it's painted, but I still got a lot to go. Uh, but since the last time we recorded, I've painted Two Lehman Russes, uh, Minotaur Super Heavy Tank, uh, two squads of Mordians, a Wyvern, and it was a used Wyvern, so I had to chop out the guy that was in there and replace him with uh, Mad Robot Miniatures uh, Mordian models. So I actually have this, like, it's like a super 
dark brown tank with a really, really nice crisp blue uniform guy inside of it. Um, <laughs> it's a, it, uh, The contrast between them is like really cool. Uh, I painted up a shadow sword. I painted up a... What else, man? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much tank-wise all I got. I found a dude selling the old Vanaheim pattern basilisk if y'all remember that where it's like the like the short the short gun shield on the front i found a guy selling that and i plan on having like i i have uh some armageddon pattern basilisk and medusas that i was gonna use but i really like the vanaheim look more and so what i ended up doing was i ordered that from some dude in the uk got it in chopped off the top and was supposed to resin cast it with this group of things i just resin casted 20 minutes ago and totally forgot until right now. And so it kind of sucks because that could have been casting <laughs> up with all that other stuff that's in there casting. Uh, but anyway, so I did that. I've been looking for all the old school Forge World vehicles. So I was looking for like uh, hey. Thunderers. Hey. Hey. Yeah. You know the tank that looks like a Thunderer, but it has the big laser destroyer instead? The tank destroyer, yeah. You're looking at a guy that has one in a bag right over there, Ford's World bag, never been taken out of the bag in the closet. I also have two Bombards, same condition, in the bag, never been taken out in the closet. All right, well, we need to talk. We need to talk. I, uh, you ain't got that Ford's World money, son. Yeah, Nobody bro. has that Ford's World money. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ford's World costs too much.com. Anyway, uh, so anyway... <laughs> So I'm I'm going around like all the different like really I'm looking to like as stupid as it sounds like remember when you were like 15 16 years old and you were looking at Forge World stuff and you're like man someday I'm gonna buy those thunders I'm gonna buy those fucking conquerors and all that jazz <laughs> well now that I'm old enough to buy them they don't fucking make them anymore and so they also like, have. You also still can't afford them. You might as well be 16. Yeah, you also still can't buy them. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I ended up doing was, um, for starters, I was looking for the, the Stygies pattern anything. I was looking for the Stygies Conqueror, the Stygies Vanquisher, and anything in that pattern, which was the, I don't know, like pre-Riza pattern stuff. I don't know if you guys remember the Stygies. I have, I probably have all those turrets, man. Chris Duncan has my guard army. I probably have all those. Well, it's too late because I found a guy on uh, Thingiverse that has 100% replicated these fucking turrets. I'm talking like down to the T replicated these fucking turrets, man. Like people have so much talent on Thingiverse. And so what I did was I took it to my Anycubic Photon. I fucked up probably like seven prints and I was getting so mad and then, uh, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't get it printed, man. I was failing everything. I was crying in my sleep because you have to wait like four hours before you realize you failed it. And then I was just so frustrated. And then powerful John Stanford was like, you should be expecting a care package because he's in the same uh, support forum that I'm in. And I'm asking all these questions like, why does this keep failing and all this stuff? And I go and open my box one day. And there inside this box is uh, this gunmetal gray resin that he said sticks every time. And I, I loaded that up, and I have probably printed something every day since I got that in 
like complete beautiful John John Stanford saved my life. So anyway, yep. You know the guy that's teaching my 3D printing class. Sign up now. Yeah. No, I'm just playing. You can't like sign up just... now. We don't have fully <laughs> 100% man so it's it printed up dude I printed up a uh, a, a Stygies pattern turret I printed up the guns for the conqueror I printed up a gun for a punisher which is like never existed in the Stygies pattern and so this dude just like modeled what he figured it would look like if you were to put it on the Stygies tank and like everything just fits beautifully my the aesthetic of all my Lehman Russes is just going to be so good now it's it's badass dude and so Right now, I'm resin casting. I, I 3D printed the turrets, and now I'm resin casting them in the other room. And so those should be. And I 3D printed all those. Like, this is not me fucking committing Forge World atrocities and stealing IP. This is, like, straight up, like, 3D cast to whatever. But anyway, in addition to that. But how much money did you give them? Who? Forge World. I don't oh, care about no. all that. They just want your. Yeah. No. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this entire project, if you really think about it, so the entire project so far, all my infantry are mad robot miniatures, so it's all like 100%. Like go support Mad Robot, dude. His shit is so nice. It's so much so much cleaner than a lot of the other like uh third part like, you know, I've never been a big fan of Anvil Industries. Like it's so weird because you go to like Victoria Miniatures or and I'm not shitting on them, I'm just saying you go to Victoria Miniatures, you go to Pig Iron, and, like, their models are all right. They're just, like, really stringy and all that stuff. But, like, Mad Robots miniatures feel like true, like, gaming miniatures. Like, you can, like, truly, like, play with these models. They're thick. They're heroic scale. I love them, man. He makes, like, Steel Guard. He ma- or, uh, uh, is it Steel Guard? Steel Guard. Is that right? Steel Legion. You're talking about the Steel guys Legion. who fight on Armageddon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting dust confused. He does I'm Steel Legion. You. He does Praetorians. He does Mordians. He does uh, uh, the uh, the Talarn. He does everything, man. Like, he does... He has, like, 3D, like, 3D printed, and then, like, he cast them in resin, and, like, it's there's no lines or anything like that. It's just... He has these fantastic models ready to go. He was a sponsor for Heresy Camp. This dude's fucking great, okay? Everything about him. Like, I give him as much money. <laughs> I love him. As We're getting I married <laughs> next weekend. It's happening. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. What yeah. you up this way? <laughs> 100%, dude. It's, it's, it's great. It's a fantastic guy. So, anyway, so all, all the Mimordian Army infantry is that. Um, so, anyway, moving on. So, what I've been doing is I've been picking up all of these, like, old school Forge World. Uh, like, the Minotaur I picked up used. I picked up the Shadow Sword I was given to me, and I really, really, really want a Salamander vehicle because all I can imagine is, like, how... I have one. How cool... Well, it's too late because I have one now, too. So... <laughs> so what I wanted to do was I wanted to model up all these guys, all these Mordians standing, like, like commanding in the Creek back guys. of... I got a Krieg one done the same way. Well, I'll have Mordians, and they'll be blue, and they'll be beautiful. Because, I mean, all my command is Krieg anyway with Mordian heads. They look great. So, anyway, so I wanted a salamander, right? And I was looking for one, and I found this dude online that was like, yeah, I have a salamander. I'm looking for a shadow sword. And I'm like, hey, man, will you sell me the salamander? And he's like, no, talk to me in three weeks, maybe, if I don't sell it by then. 
And so I set a reminder on my phone. It's like, in three weeks, see if this guy needs a... See if he sold it yet. I checked back with him, and he said, yes, I've already sold it. Uh, I, I, I sold it locally and all this jazz. And I was like, fuck, you know, I've been trying to do this. And so in his post, he said he was looking for a shadow sword, and then he was looking... Basically, he's on the same hunt I am. He's looking for old-school Forge World stuff. And one of the things he was looking for was the... Uh, do you remember the Lehman Russ Advanced Comms? It had four antennas instead of one. Yes. And it went on yeah, the back of the Lehman Russ turret. So he's looking yes. for that, which is, I mean, most people didn't even know that thing existed, let alone where to find one and let alone to find one that's for sale. And so I looked at it and I said, this is a very easy design to model and then print. And so I told him, I was like, hey, man, I can like, I can model that. And so, you know, I was like, you know what, let me go ahead. And I and it just like it had nothing to do with me trying to get the salamander he already sold. It was 100% me just trying to like, hey, yeah, that looks cool. I'd like that too. And so I modeled it up. Like we were talking about it. I modeled it up and I put it on Shapeways. And I said, here it is. I think it's like 10 bucks to make it happen. And you here, here you can buy it. Or if you have a friend that can print it, here's the STL. Go to town. Well, because that dude was so thankful of me doing that, he went and talked to the guy that was selling his, that he sold a salamander to and like convinced him to like give it back to him like hey you know like can i have the salamander back and like this guy really wasn't that interested in it anyway so he got the salamander back and he goes here's the deal man if you get me 16 of those advanced comms if you print me 16 of those advanced comms i'll trade you the salamander and I said, I'll do you one better. I'll fucking resin cast those advanced comps for you. And so that's uh, that's exactly what I'm doing, man. I've got my salamander. Like I'm, I just resin cast. I'm resin casting those. Uh, I got them in silicone right now. I've got two of the advanced comps in there. I've got two of the turrets in there. And like we're doing this sweet ass trade. Also, my Mordians can have a cool little command vehicle that uh, my uh, my company commander Sergey can sit in and be fat. So nice solid worked out very well so 3d printing has definitely done me well and then this year was the year that i told everybody i was going to learn 3d modeling and i feel like i've done pretty good this year so far and just this week so okay just like moving forward in the timeline of what has happened um i got my anycubic i3 mega in uh friday <laughs> came in friday and like Ryan was talking about earlier, I, I have a Photon, which is the resin printer, but it has a very small build plate. And I have been very much interested in this 160th scale battle tech that Scott and Ryan have been playing. And I'll be honest, man, like I'm 100% just itching to paint. Like I'm, it's all about painting these things. I 100% want to paint them. Like, if I never get a game in, I'll be all right. But, like, I definitely want to paint these fucking sweet-ass mechs. And so... Are you coming to War Games me. Camp? Yeah, and I'll you'll get to War Games Camp. So, yeah. You'll get to play them. <laughs> yep. It's going to be super cheesy because I'm going to have a shitload of mechs because this baby ain't stopping. This is going to be run every day. It's a War Games <laughs> Camp. Well, we play Battle Value, so you'll just have a bunch sitting on the sideline making coffee for everybody, like me and Scott were talking about. Yeah. Funny meme duty. That's what they'll be on. <laughs> well, damn. So, anyway, 
So Friday I got this uh, FLM printer specifically for printing 28 millimeter scale BattleTech models. I think you guys uh, does Hawaii not care 20... about price? Or I'm sorry, 160 scale. Like I know what he said he charged me to print one up. That's pretty standard, right? Like I don't want to. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's between 100 and 150 dollars to have one print one. Somebody print one for you. It's and about 100 and 150 dollars to have one. Yeah. So I wanted like 12 of these things, and so naturally the price just makes more sense just to print up my own. And so I went in part of like Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. I think my AnyCubic Mega was like 300 somewhere around there. And so picked it up, got it. It comes in two parts, and you just put the screws in, and it's good to go, ready to print out of the box. Uh, so Friday, I did that Friday night. I printed half. Like, they give you, like, a test file, like, hey, print this to know if it's working. I printed half of that. I said, yeah, it's good. Ripped that off. I was like, <laughs> and so I got like two half of an owl, and then I like <laughs> set it on its. <laughs> then I put it on a fifteen-hour print of a Kodiak. I was like, all right, get to work, slave. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I printed up a fifteen-hour Kodiak. It came real good. I learned a lot from it. I, I told Ryan. I actually posted a video on the Facebook page where I, like I totally printed it at the wrong angle to where I had way too many supports which probably added another three hours to it. But then in addition to that, I have to take those supports off, which is chaos, man. I hate my life right now. I have to, I'm charging. Well, didn't you say you printed it too thick too somehow? Uh, So interior wise, I use too much infill, which is like, so when you imagine a model, you imagine like the interior is hollow. And so what you have is what you call infill and it makes little grids inside. It makes like little honeycombs in there. Or this new version that actually came with the latest edition is like a little triangles. And so it creates this infill. And uh, with that infill, you can set a percentage. And I was printing at like 80% infill, which is like, like tiny, 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 tiny little octagons that are just super strong. But damn it, dude, these models are so little that you don't need that much interior support. Like I, these things are like super rigid because of how much infill I had. And so that probably added another two hours to the, so uh, how much do you think uh, you should do on infill? Like what percentage, if you did 80 before and that was too much, what would you do? So here's the thing. I watched a guy online and he was printing with like 5% infill, which is just like an interior, like, interior octagon all that stuff i'm printing this model right now this adder that's coming in i'm printing at 10 percent infill and it's rigid as fuck dude like 10 percent infill and it's rigid the thing is like if i was printing like a vase and i had like one percent or 10 percent infill i could probably like crush it but because yeah. these things are so small and they're just like so like dense model wise yeah I don't think it's going to be any issue. So I'm printing at 10% infill. It's it like on that Kodiak probably would have saved me like two or three hours. So that thing oh, I wow. probably could have pumped out in like 10 hours instead of 15 if I would have done everything right. Uh, so as soon as that was done, I realized all my problems. I realized everything I was doing wrong. And I was like, okay, okay, 
I needed this to happen. I needed to learn this. And so what I did for this adder, like immediately 20 minutes after the Kodiak was done, I modeled up in Cura. I put this adder on its back, which had the like the least amount of overhangs, which is what caused those, those supports. I put it on its back. I laid it flat. I gave it 10% infill. And I didn't do anything to layer height adjustment. I left it at 0.2. Threw it on the printer. And right now the printer is looking at uh, 20 hours and 28 minutes of printing right now. So it's been printing for the last 20 hours. And that's the entire mech. That's legs, arms, torso, everything, right? Legs, arms, torso, everything. I believe it was like one day on the dot is when it's supposed to be. It says it's 73% done. And at 24 hours, 8, 16, 24, yeah. It looks like it probably has another eight hours to go. So, so how did it? How are you doing it? Is the torso one piece and the legs or arms are being printed around it? Is that how it's doing it? No, it's or already are they gonna get a different... Oh, you're just printing it all one piece, just one solid, ready to go. Like all it's right. gonna. It's like I'm not getting a cool walking pose with it, but I'm like, yeah, it's an adder, you know. Like I'm not, yeah. Like with the legs, like I know, like Scotts and yours, like y'all are like have like the posable models that they can do, like a, yep. they can dab if they want to. Like mine is just yep. like mine. Mine are like the static toys, like the the, <laughs> the ones you don't get to you don't get to do all that cool stuff with. Like when that kid shows up and he's got the the blockos instead of the Legos, <laughs> they're like yeah. the solid yeah. men. <laughs> those are those are mine. So, well, making but, me a little uh, sad, but we'll let it slide, I guess. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, it, I don't know. It's like because the feet, like, because I'm pulling Thingiverse files. I have the the Gam body files, but Jesus Christ, man, those are like 42 pieces, and then these are like three pieces, like two legs. Yeah, and a but you get all the poses, you get all the weapons, you get little fucking winches, you get little like fucking like not about all that man. bars. <laughs> Well, this has all that on it. It's just like it's just built on it. I don't have to put it on. I just print it on. Nice, nice. I'm using the most, the most advanced method of gluing possible, which is uh, extruded <laughs> <in> plastic. <laughs> I just glue mine different than you guys do. <laughs> I use a machine to do it. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I've been doing that. Like, but that honestly, that hobby progress wise. That requires nothing. Like, I have literally done nothing except push play. You print this. I'll see you tomorrow. Sorry, kitty, because it's so close to your litter box and you're terrified of all the noises it <laughs> You're makes. scared of you're it. Gonna... <laughs> it's fucking two lasers. <laughs> like, from your worst nightmares. <laughs> she is, dude. She's like... <laughs> it's like, sorry, I know it's real close to your litter box, but... We all have to make sacrifices. It'll only be printing for the next 24 hours. So it's a, it's a process, man. It's, it's, it's cool. Uh, I still need to do some cleanup on my Kodiak. I'm excited to see what it's going to look like when this adder's done because I think the model's cool. But It is. It is. It's a good Mac, too. It's very. It's got a lot of utility in it. So, uh, but that's been going while that has been doing its thing. 
Uh, I got my box of uh, dust miniatures in today. So nice. the IJN, the Japanese, uh, the new Japanese released and the new Desert Scorpions released. And so I got my both boxes of the starter sets for those. I've got the new Tengu models, the new Gendu models out. So like I've got my like ready to go drop those off at the store. They officially release on the 5th, but all of us retailers got our pre-orders in this week. So the new Hellgate expansion dropped. Uh, if you want us like to hear a breakdown of that, you can go to Radio Freeze Farragrad and uh, listen to me and Ben break down the new avatar of Cthulhu model, which is like insanely powerful like he's 29 points usually play a 100 point game and this dude's got like 12 attacks and anybody he kills he gains a wound back and he's tank seven he's got 15 wounds and so like we did the math and like if you were to use just like a normal five-man squad to fight him in combat you would get you would do negative two damage like he would just like he'd be fine like it would You'd do your three, but he would eat five of you, so you're just getting damage back to him. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> he's uh, he's healing now. <laughs> so the new, he's bonkers, man. He's gonna be meta changed. We actually did like a full breakdown of his model and like of his like, of the, his gameplay and all that jazz. And we're just trying to figure out like how a player who has a well-rounded army can do anything against it. And uh, but pretty bonkers man did you get any premium stuff in or just all normal stuff all normal i'll do premium down here i would have gave you some business i only deal in that premium <laughs> stuff <laughs> only deal in that premium the premium models now we just got a bunch of standard stuff uh, i got a couple of the new ninjas i've got a set of the naval cadets uh the two starter sets for ijn and uh, I got one of each, uh, two of each, the Desert Scorpion starter and the IJN starter. And it's going to be fun, man. It's a, it's a good time. I'm, ex- I'm super excited about oh, my Desert Scorpion la- Last uh, game night, I got to play uh, Bill Hegg in Dust. Powerful Bill Hegg. Yeah. I expect that's like, fun. I played Bill Hegg at Gen Con, and he uh, definitely, definitely laid the hurt on me. Uh, with his Smursh Platoon, and he used his Smursh Platoon, which is a bunch of deep-striking walkers that have flamethrowers, and then he used uh, Winter Child, which is a like fully mechanized like it's like a it's it's like a, a Space Marine in World War Two is like the only way I can describe it, <laughs> and so he just like just beats the pit and he can fly it's like an assault he marine flies in World War radiation II. beams it's really all you need to know he's a russian guy that, flies <laughs> that, that does it yeah that suffices as uh yeah. <laughs> the, the best way i could describe him would be if you were to put a jump pack uh a, a marius calgar uh, jump jump pack marius calgar with radiation guns instead of bolt pistols <laughs> yeah that's what he is that's that's a that's a winter child and it's it's a world it's a world war ii based game and that's just okay like he just he does exactly what you would imagine marnius calgar would be doing in world war ii <laughs> just killing 100 percent that yeah. it sounds like the name of a good baller clone winter child winter child <laughs> yeah he's russian dude come on like, like that's a perfect name for him 
Um, so, but yeah, it's fun. Had a good time. He he uses U.S. Marine Corps against you, right? Uh, I think they were just normal, were just, just like ally stuff. I don't think they're Marines. Well, then I don't know. Um, I just played oh. my. Uh, I played my Indac, my weird Indac list. That's not an Indac list because for whatever reason, Indac, which is supposed to be Rommel and stuff, you can't like make mechanized, which doesn't make any sense. Weird. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Rommel with a bunch of dudes on foot. It's the real army. Because <laughs> because you know how much Rommel loved his foot soldiers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. So I don't really understand how all that how that works. Like I understand it's alternate history, but come on, Paolo, let's fucking get on the ball here. Give these guys some uh, walkers, or I can put them infantry in. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. We're all over the place with games nowadays. It's hard to keep up. Like it's like, oh yeah, I have to get these uh these PLA these Chinese people done while I'm working my Mordians while I'm getting BattleTech printed up. Oh yeah, and I took that CK Studios class. Yeah, got to talk about that, man. So, because I was thinking about my new paint setup and like how I have it running, and I took the CK Studios 102 with Caleb and Cat, man, and it was fantastic, man. It was it was in San Antonio. Me and John Christensen got a a fantastic Airbnb, dude. Like. It was this beautiful, beautiful house, like straight up house that was uh, uh, like, I don't know how the hell they could afford $80 of to rent it. It doesn't make any sense to me how that's possible, but whatever, you know. So we rented this house, two story, and we took the 102 class, which was a 74 millimeter Orc Rager from Black Sun Miniatures. If you're on our Facebook page, you guys definitely would have uh, would have seen it. So this is like I posted up on our Instagram, and then I also posted up on our Facebook. And I don't know. I thought it came out pretty good. We went on this whole like how to paint a warm skin kind of thing, where you had to like lay down these like red tones underneath the original skin that you were gonna paint, so that everything looked lively instead of like dead skin and all that jazz instead of a zombie. And so it was a, it was a pretty good class. I mean, we, we, the metal I learned to paint was probably the most that I'm going to take out of that class. And I also learned how to paint like a really nice leather and I could paint orcs like nobody's business now. So that being said, I went to that class, uh, cat and Caleb, uh, convinced me to pick up a, uh, 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 a harder and steamback Evo while I'm waiting for my cult of paint one. And so I picked up that Evo. I spent the whole class painting with it. And I gotta say, man, I was pretty impressed with how it shot. I didn't like, uh, these new Evos, they have a special needle with them now. And this needle is like super resistant to dry tip, which is a huge issue for me as like, yeah, I use a lot of inks. I use a lot of acrylic inks. Like I use Dollar Rowney, Dollar Rowney inks. I use uh, Vallejo inks, 
and uh, now I've started using P3 inks, and those those uh, the new needle like with my with my Badger Extreme, which I love, I have no problem with. I was getting a ton of dry tips, so I'd spray for a little bit, and then it would splatter once, and I'd be like, "Fuck me!" And then you know you'd have to blast it out and then go back, and it just it was so good at ruining models by doing that. It was making me mad, especially because I did a lot of panel highlighting on tanks. And so I would go through panel, 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 and then it's spray everywhere. And you're like, "Fuck me! Let me wipe this off. Let me go ahead and blast this out." And then it was it was a huge deal. Well, when I took this class, I used that new Evo with that new that new needle, and dude, it like I don't know what kind of black magic they bless those new needles with, but if you could put that on every airbrush in the world. Please do. I can understand where this is like going to be some harder and steam back like secret that they're going to like keep to themselves for fucking ever and not tell anybody. Like, but that needle sold that brush to me so hard. I was like, "Yep, I cannot wait to get my cold to paint one." I'm like, I'm still going to use this Evo. The only thing I don't like about the harder and steam back Evo is I'm so used to that high roller trigger that. And even after even after painting with it, what going on two weeks now, I'm still I'm still not comfortable with my like with my throw, and I think that high roller fucked me on that. Like I think my high roller like made me think I had trigger control, but I really don't because it's like the the training wheel version of it. But yeah, to me it just I don't know. So. I took the measurements for the. Here's where I'm at with my 3D printing my own uh, my own Evo trigger process. Uh, I took all the measurements of the the trigger for the Evo with calipers. I modeled it up in Tinkercad, like everything, and like I'm talking like if you've taken apart a harder and steam bag, it's got like a stem, it's got the top. It's got like a little fat thing on the bottom that the needle goes through. But inside of that, there's another piece that's like a half circle that I don't know what that does, but I remodeled that up in Tinkercad around it. I, I got everything dimension-wise exactly right. The only thing that I have to do now is figure out how to 3D model um, a like M3 machining screws an M3 machining screws hole so I can make it to where you could twist and undo the uh, the trigger to put on the little half moon so that you can uh, send it all to Shapeways, have them print it up in rose gold or whatever. Like, you can get it printed in aluminum, steel, rose gold, uh, actual 14-karat gold. You could have that all printed up however way you want, and they'll get it done for you. And my plan was to get this custom trigger printed up for me and then, like, just ship back to me. And the, the only the only issue I'm having is that stem is machined onto that little ball and that half moon is in the middle. So I have to have a way to screw it on. And uh, that's, like, a little side project I'm working on right now to get that done. And I, I've been talking to a guy about how to uh, get that machined. And he actually works for Shapeways. So... That's where that project is, and that's what happened there. But uh, for the class itself, man, we painted up that Orc Ranger. It was a good time. Uh, me, Caleb, Cat, and John, we went 
to downtown San Antonio to go eat some food and all that jazz, and uh, we rode scooters. Uh, the little, like, uh, <laughs> pay-rent scooters, and so we were, like, riding all over downtown San Antonio. Uh, there was a whole bunch of little scooter gangs as well that were, like, uh, trying to pick fights with us. And naturally, us being the, the nerds we are, we weren't equipped to fight these other gangs of scooter riders. Um, but it was a good time, man. We, we uh, <laughs> kept screaming, like, hey, I'm scooting over here. Like, whenever somebody would get in your way, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you need Vinny with you. He could do that really well. <laughs> hey, I'm scooting over here. <laughs> and so... <laughs> uh, then we ate at a Mexican restaurant. It was a good time, man. Caleb and Kat are fun to hang out with, dude. And so is John. John's also fun to hang out with. So, but yeah, it's been a good hobby progress the past couple weeks, and still yep. going, still happening right here in front of me. Right. So. But yeah, that's what I've been working on. And in the process of looking for. Gavin McGregor. You, I will find him. <laughs> I will find you, Gavin. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, he won the Varangian Heresy uh, Reaver, but nobody can find him. So He won a whole Reaver Titan and nobody can find him? Yeah, yeah. Nobody knows who he is or the thing any is, of that jazz. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that you're, t- was, you're talking, so that's like, you could buy, you know, like 13, like literally buy the full 13 mechs that are roughly the same size through uh, David or buy one Reaver. So that's how valuable that thing is. I think I would claim it. <laughs> you just see the value in it, like selling it wise <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Man, that's like no, 22 no, 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 mechs. No. No, 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 no. You don't understand how Games Workshop stuff works, man. When you buy it from them, it's worth whatever they put on it. But then once you get it and you try to resell it, even after painting it to like an award-winning level, it's worth 50% of what Games Workshop says it's worth. Simultaneously. Those are two two (laughs) true things. I've I've been finding that out trying to sell things. Oh. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's like trying to so sell a car. Just... If you bought a brand new car, drove it off the lot, and then went and parked at a speedway and smoked crack in it, and then killed a hooker and removed her appendix. I, I don't. I'm apparently living. I'm living in an alternate reality where if you get on Facebook and you criticize Forge World for the price of like I don't know that new Titan that they released, you get all these people coming out talking about how it's reasonable and defending it and whatever. And then you turn around and you take something that you've paid like three times more than that Titan worth and you've painted it. And then you just want to sell it for what you have in it, not charging for painting. And people tell you that the price is too high. Those are, that's what's, and you're like, what? Wait a minute. But I don't know. That's a, that's a real buzzkill, man. <laughs> Jeez, <I'm>, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's yep. uh, 
<laughs> it's uh, it's like the used car market, man. But I can print up eighty five cents worth of PLA and paint it, and possibly make a good profit off of this. Yes, so. you can do that. That's a thing. <laughs> I don't know. People are going to just start renting armies. Oh, wait, they do. That's already a thing. Never mind. Oh, God. That's already a thing. Gross. <laughs> Gross. So anyway, what else you got? That's it. We played our campaign thing. Me and Scott did. We. Yep. Uh, you want to read? You got it on your phone still, probably. You want to read what our mission was and what we did? Yeah, so, I, can re- I can recap it. I remember it pretty well. So. Well, let me explain war chest points real quick so people know what we're doing. So we're playing the war chest system. So what that is is they've basically simplified it into like where you could just do it in a couple minutes where you don't have to like sit down and like do all this paperwork like you're running a small business. So like you can buy your mechs like they have like a market value and you can sell them and they have like, you know, less of a market value and you... um, you can hire, you you know, get pilots and all this stuff. Same thing for vehicles. So you have this thing called a war chest with these points, and then you have charts that tell you what you can buy for these war chest points. So we started this campaign, and Chris started us with everybody got 2,000 war chest points. So you could take these 2,000 war chest points and buy whatever you wanted, and then you need to leave some left over for future stuff. Like if you have repairs to make or have to buy more ammo or one of your pilots die and you need to get a new guy or whatever. So we built our initial roster. And when you play games, you don't use all your roster. You just have like, this is your roster that you bought. And then when you, he comes out with these missions, the missions will tell you, you can use X amount of resources from your roster. And then after you play the mission, you may earn or lose Uh, war chest points depending on how you do and then you can buy replacement parts or grow your roster or fix things that were already on your roster that got damaged or whatever so that's basically how it works so go ahead scott and tell them the mission so the mission was for the attacker ryan he he was doing like a recon by force sort of thing so there's eight points set up on the board that are fairly all they're all mirrored on one side or the other a six by four board and um his job was to either move within one inch of these points and scan them unless he had a certain type of probe, which some uh, some mechs have like as part of their equipment. Then you could scan them from farther. But it was either to scan those and then scan my mechs as well or my units if you could get within four inches of them. And he accumulates points by doing this. So he accumulates points by scanning the the points and he accumulates points by being within four inches of one of my mechs and you can scan that and get points for that it's it's yeah it's representing it's uh for possible landing zones and also scouting the enemy force to see what kind of force that they have and what resources we need to bring so that's what it was right so that's the thing my only job was just to kill him basically you know kill him and you know deny him as best i can so his his force composition was four four mechs a lance and mine was a star which for me was four mechs and two vehicles because my plan runs a lot of vehicles and they often integrate, you know, a point of two vehicles into a star to replace a mech. You know, whatever, whatever. 
though, uh, we play this game. We threw the pictures up online of the two forces and some of the more pivotal points of, of the, the game and all. But he got a lot of points because, you know, he took the smart things you would take to do this. You obviously, you're not going to take very ponderous things to, to recon something. You're going to take things that can move fast and move from point to point. And ideally not get, like, pinned down by the enemy. And uh, I took, like, two... The tanks I took are actual pursuit tanks. So this is kind of their intent, to chase things. And um, those those did really well for me. Uh, and then I just took some other, you know, really, like, medium weight, but fast sort of stuff to help react and try to try to get out and hunt things down as best I could. You want to talk about your army and why you took what you took, Brian? Yeah, so I could have went with just standard scout element stuff, which would have been like really, really lightweight with, you know, not very much firepower. I don't necessarily care about the firepower because I didn't have to kill Scott. Like I could have basically played the whole mission without actually shooting at him if I'd have wanted to. Um, but uh, I, I still wanted to be able to fight back a little bit, you know, because you because it's a campaign, any damage that I can stick on Scott's stuff, he's stuck with it until he can fix it, which is going to deplete his war chest. So you got to look at it in the long term because we're going to play 10, uh, 10 linked games and anything that's stuck on a mech or vehicle or whatever stays until you repair it. So I want you still want to throw out as much damage as you can to put damage on stuff to make people fix it or replace it. But... uh. I wanted stuff that was really fast because the faster it moves, the harder it is to hit. So it's like a defensive thing as well. Um, but also I wanted to be able to get around to the points as quick as possible. And then once I was happy with um, my total of points that I earned, I wanted to be able to get to the board edges because I, I had to be able to get off the board as well. So my key component was speed. And then my second thing I wanted was durability. And then my third variable that I cared about was firepower. So I could have went with just pure scout elements that move slightly faster, but they would have had less armor. And I was a little worried about that. Um, so I went with elements that moved fast to moderately fast, but were more up armored. So I had uh, three 55 ton mechs, which are big mediums. And then one heavy mech, which was a, the lightest heavy you can have a 60 tonner. So most of my stuff was, you know, 50, I had three 55 tonners and one 60 ton mech, but everything moved, uh, fast, like as fast as it could be. And it still had decent amount of armor and it come to find out that was the correct choice. Um, because Scott had those stupid opponent tanks that he mentioned and I would have got just absolutely like ran off the board. No problem. Like if I'd have taken a bunch of locusts or some shit that would die to one volley from those things, I'd have been in trouble because those things are so fast. They, uh, clan tech is way better than inner sphere tech. So those tanks move as fast or faster than just about anything I can get in the inner sphere. And they pack on the firepower equivalent to those medium mechs that I took while doing it. So I would have been in a world of hurt if I had just went with standard locuses. Um, but that was kind of my thinking going in. Okay, so I chose, like I said, I chose those tanks, you know, because that's what they do. They are pursuit tanks. They move pretty fast, and uh, that's sort of their defense, and they can close the distance. And 
obviously I kind of understood that, you know, he's doing a recon mission. He's going to take fast things. So I needed to be able to not be static. I needed to be able to move and react to, to whatever it was he was doing. Cause um, it's a reactionary thing basically on my point. Like I wasn't, I deployed the same way he did, which was we move on to the table. So I, I didn't really have any time to like set up anything in advance. It's just, have to you know move on just like they do and move as quickly as you can to try all of my victory conditions were just doing damage to him so i had to either cripple him which means you have to go internal on two two uh torso locations strip all the armor off of them and go internal or uh kill them you know kill them and then i get a certain amount of war chest points based off whatever it is if you killed my leader, you got extra points, too. Yeah, you get, like, 25 points. So, um, uh, so we played it out. It was a while. I don't know where you want me to go with this. Um, so, I got unlucky on initiative rolls. Horribly unlucky on initiative rolls. You just roll two dice for initiative, and whoever rolls higher gets the initiative. And I think we played eight turns or nine turns, and I won one initiative roll, I think. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um and then but on the flip side so scott's dice were really good i felt like most of the game the only thing that he and it, it's like when you roll to hit against something you have to roll what location you hit and he uh spread his damage around a lot so like there was a lot of times where if he would just got the right location he'd already stripped all the armor off and it would have went internal and damaged my mechs where he would have earned points and he just rolled a location that still had armor yeah. So he was hitting me and dealing damage. He was just spreading it um, all over these mechs. And there was a... Uh, my Argus was literally like... It could have died. Like, he had... <laughs> he was shooting at it, and the left torso had no armor left on it. It was just totally empty. And it's a XL engine. So if he'd just done a few internals, it probably would have blown the engine out of it and killed the whole mech. And he hit it with these like three or four lasers that each do seven damage. And I thought, oh, this thing's totally fucked. There's no way it's going to live. And he rolled all the locations and didn't get a single location on that left torso. So I just got lucky there. And then basically the exact same scenario ended up happening later on against my uh, Shadowhawk. Um, the only thing of his that I did decent damage to was one of those tanks. I got lucky because they move so fast you have to you basically because you, you do everything on two dice. I think I needed like 11s to hit that stupid thing, and I ended up rolling an 11 with my uh, my MML seven, and then I rolled to see um, if I well I rolled location and got a location with a possible critical. Yes. And when you roll to check critical, you need an eight or higher to do a critical. If you roll eight or nine, you do one critical. If you roll a, a uh, 10 or 11 you do two criticals and if you roll a 12 you do three and i rolled a 12 so i did three crits to this basically fresh tank and uh fucked it up really bad got got real lucky Damn. and that literally saved my ass so it's basically like let's go champ. pretty fucking lucky. <laughs> so, so the only thing that really didn't go my way like luck wise was when my one mech uh fell down i can't complain i like when you run if you run on normal ground, you're fine. If you try running through a water hex in a mech, you you have to make a piloting check. If you fail, you fall over. 
<clears throat> and this fucker, like, I was trying to get off the board. Like, I'd scanned everything, whatever. I got all my points. I was just ready to bail. And I was just trying to move as quick as possible. And I ran through this water space and fell on my face and took a bunch of damage and then tried to get up and fell over again. And it fucking ate up all my movement and it stuck me on the board for like another full turn. Plus, did a bunch of damage to me right in a spot where I couldn't afford that to happen. And, uh, I thought I was going to lose a mech because of it, but I ended up, that was one of those times that Scott got pretty unlucky with his location rolls. So all things being fair, if like the weird wonky, like super outlier stuff shouldn't happen, he probably should have at least killed or crippled two of my mechs, which you did cripple one. You crippled the, um, the shadow Hawk, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. He didn't kill it. He still made it off the board, but it was like super fucked up. So the reason why this is a big deal campaign wise is to sustain yourself like over the course of the campaign and fix whatever, you know, kind of damage you get. You have to expend those war chest points. Well, if it doesn't really matter, you know, if your opponent gets a lot, but you need to get enough to to like clear the damage from the shit you're going to pick up. And I did and all of mine were based off killing something. And so I only made like 15 points to his like 350 from scanning all those locations and stuff, like little objectives and whatnot. So it was kind of fucking tough for me. Fortunately, going into this, I didn't spend all my points to build out my roster. I had some stored up and I had actually made a fucking mistake forming my like army roster. So I had to drop something from my list that, gave me extra war chest points so i was at least able to like pay to have the damage i was worried about prepared before we play again next week yeah so i ended up having enough points uh because i had a bunch left over from i had 200 and some left over from construction plus i earned a bunch so i bought a whole brand new fucking top of the line uh mad cat clan mech for my inner sphere, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Gonna stick my unit commander in there. And then uh, I bought an elite pilot for my unit commander to put in there. And then I also bought another elite pilot. So I had I had mostly just standard pilots, which are four fives. So I had let's see, because I started with eleven mechs. So I had three no, I had four elite pilots and seven or four veteran pilots and seven standard pilots. And then I added a 12th mech, bought an elite pilot, and then bought one more just elite pilot, and I bumped one of the veterans out of his mech to put the elite in, and then bumped one of the green pilots out to put another vet in, and then I just have an extra guy that's riding the bench that makes everybody coffee. But (laughs) just through a few little moves, I basically improved two mechs that I already had and then got a whole new, like, super fucking mega top of the line. Probably the biggest purchase I'll make during the campaign hopefully yep so old scotty needs some fucking war chest points next friday or else uh i'm gonna be a broke-ass motherfucker (laughs) basically so (laughs) i told him it's like monopoly he can like for i'm gonna foreclose on his clan mechs and just end up with like just buy his mechs on the cheap it'll be like what we were just talking about you've paid the full forge world price and i'm paying 
you know, you've already done all the work of painting it and building it and winning awards, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy it. For- if the fucking campaign dude is out there listening to this right now and he comes up with some wonky shit where I've got to teach, like, long division to a fucking squirrel to get war chest points, I'm going to be pretty <laughs> mad at him. Uh, so at the same time, me and Scott were playing, Eric and uh, Chris, the guy who wrote the campaign, they played in the other room. Chris is playing uh, Jade Falcons and... um. What's Eric playing? Is he playing like a word of Blake? Like yeah, even though he's fucking fucking up and not playing something that was around earlier. Like, he, yeah, he's, he's kind of playing, playing like, out. Yeah. kind of playing out a timeline. We're letting him. Yeah, he's he, playing a uh, like a mercenary company. I think essentially that was formed by ex word of Blake sort of people dude. on the they down low. Yeah. You can't can't advertise your word of Blake. They will kill you. It's like being a yeah. war criminal. So. It's yeah, people that held, they, they hid their Word of Blake origins and then started a Merc company a few years later after the dust settled. Yeah. That sounds badass. That sounds like that, uh, that, what do you call it? That book I'm reading right now. What? What book? Uh, I don't know what, what it's book? called. You recommended it. <laughs> I it's recommended that one it. Lady is all, yeah, she's all secret word of Blake, and everybody's like, "Should we tell?" Uh, oh, word of Blake? Embers of War, Embers, Embers of War, War. the Battletech yeah, book. Embers of War. Yeah. yeah. You're not reading that. You're listening to it. Yeah. Same thing. How far are you in? Uh, about halfway through it. Cool. You like it so far? Yeah, it's pretty good. Hopped into podcast, so it's been pushing it off, unfortunately. So that's it. That's what we did on our campaign. It's fun. Well, that sounds like sounds like a good time. Sounds like uh, I wish we had something like that, man. I wish we had some league going on, but there's nobody down here that understands that. The closest I can go to go find somebody that understands BattleTech is San Antonio. And I'm pretty sure they don't play 160th scale, so I'm kind of boned. Either way, look at it. <laughs> just move to Indiana. I'm just going to leave your family, quit your job, all that shit, and just that be very like. lucrative career you have. Yeah, you just know. quit all that shit, sell all your stuff, get rid of your Sanford and Son side business you have with your dad, where you have like a bunch of boats and washing machines and shit in your yard or whatever you got going on over there. Just get rid of all that and come up here and live in my basement and we'll play 160th Battletech every night when I get home from work. <laughs> every fucking night. <laughs> hey, you know what? We got bitch. three extra hours because they've moved me to the Martinsville plant, finally. So I get home at 2.05 now instead of 5 o'clock. Do you guys, uh, uh, just thinking about 160th Battletech right now, have y'all played a game of 160th scale Battletech yet? No. Scott has two mechs. His brother has one that's probably not even assembled yet. And mine, one of mine is in Russia. I just reached out to David to get a second one made, and then I'm going to start printing my own as well. So, oh, and I I bought the the 28mm Hallberg battle armors from Ironwind. So I have those two. Okay. So I might just... Once I get some of these printed and painted, I might just just send them to you guys to and like be a surrogate, like y'all can be like <laughs> y'all can y'all just play for me and let me know how they did. What are you painting them as? Ghost bear. 
Yeah, goddamn right, Ghost Bear. That's what his brother's playing, so you can work it out with John. We'll have Super Ghost Bear. I'm doing the... Hold on, let me pull up this color compendium. And it is... (laughs) That's my Bear Aids list, man. Yeah, man, fucking Bear Aids. That's them. Turds. I want... I want... I want to, like... I want Ryan to play my list so that like he could just like 100% just modify it to just asshole level good. <laughs> just be like, yeah. Now, well, it's start by taking your give... entire concept and throwing it away. <laughs> no, was, I can do some of that. I I, I feel like you're going to go too far with it. You're going to do the you're going to do three destroyer squads instead of the one. That's where I see this going. It's going to basically be like the Atlas is going to go up to its like doctor and be like, sorry to tell this to you, but you have elementals. <laughs> it's like, no! What will I tell my wife? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to go kneel dead. down in some water. <laughs> you're going to have to kneel down in water for one second and you'll be safe because all the elementals will drown. Just you know, pulling off a successful swarm attack is a pretty goddamn hard thing to do in Battletech. Once it happens, though, they fucking kill you. You're pretty much dead once it happens. Their hand weapons automatically just do damage to you, whatever they have in their hands, every turn. So, (laughs) till they're off. That's that's the goddamn plan. Clan lasers do way more damage to Intersphere ones. I think a small fucking laser does five damage. So We're looking at 15 points of damage to a single location every single turn. So 15. No, they do five damage. There's five guys. It's 25. No, they, they 25 their lasers damage. only do uh, three damage, I think. Oh, oh, they have micro ER yeah, micros, whatever. Micro PLs. And that's, that's for just a, uh, what do you call it? Right. That's a, uh, that's just elementals, right? I could run yeah. any battle suit I want, right? Yep. Not any battle suit can do that, though. Not any battle suit can swarm. So yeah. You have to find one that can swarm attack. It's just part of their stats. And then you have to have one with at least one battle claw to hang on a mech. Because if you have two gun hands and you don't have any hand actuators, you can't hold on to fucking handles to ride on anything. Your guys can't. My guys <laughs> yeah. can't. Uh, Tau... Tau Galaxy is what I'm painting them as. Tau Galaxy, which is like only possible because they will be in 160th scale. (laughs) Is that the one with all the prismatic? Is that that prismatic fucking crazy digital camo shit that they have going on? Most complicated thing possible. Uh, No, it's not that bad. It is pretty uh, nonsense. It's a uh, it's light blue legs with like a darker it's like really light blue legs and uh, darker blue torso with a light blue line across it. Oh, okay, and then that the light blue is also camo camo pattern too, with a darker blue. So it's a, it gotcha. would be a ton of work to get that to work in a, in anything other than one sixtieth scale. So that is what I'm going for. For clan barricades, which works for Tau, huh? Despite being the garrison force of the Tau Galaxy, commands were heavily tasked during the first Draconius Combine in Ghost Bear War. 
Clusters from Tower responsible for capture of worlds held by both Clan Novacat and Clan Dracos Con- Draconis Combine, as well as reprisal raids against Clan Wolf and Clan Hell's Horses. Hoo fuck you, Hell's Horses. Uh, following hey, the Hell's Horses they're, they're their biggest rival. The the yeah, well, I really fucking hate your <laughs> stupid gay ass bear loving self. So, <laughs> in fact, Tal's performance in various trials of possessions were responsible for the bears taking into Biana of the Novacats and Kamba from the Combine. The recapture of Goisho from the Hell's Horses before seizing Stanzak, Stanzak again from the Hell's Horses. Oh, double Hell's Horses we bullshit. Didn't, we didn't even yeah. want fucking... Have you ever <laughs> been to Gozok, bro? Okay, it's full of fucking Bosnians and Miscreates. <laughs> I don't know, man. It says here that the Tau you know Galaxy what, Scott? is I'm calling your bluff. Parades. I'm going to get on Sarna right now and look that shit up and see. It's a paradise world that yeah. has three mech building <laughs> facilities. Goito. Let's see. Let's see. Goito. Let's see what the powerful, powerful town or Goito. Oh, the planet of go Goito. To, go to Sarna. Go to Sarna. Type it in. It'll probably say, no one has written an article. <laughs> no one fucking cares. Go away. <laughs> Oh, let's just oh, go to yeah, Sarna. You're going to get linked back to Sarna. Goyito has five continents. Mantavana, where the capital of Gonzaga is located. <laughs> uh, let's see what it's got on it. Goyito is known for its whorehouses. And, no, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. God damn it, morale <laughs> It's it's whorehouses and cocaine distribution. Uh, I can't really. Its population is two hundred seventy-two million. What's well, that? That's not very big for a planet. The ghost bear constructed the Kappa Four manufacturing facility on Goito, placing it to avoid the over concentration of production assets on Ash Lane. The Ghost Bears used a mobile facility to create the core of the factory, which was subsequently a victim of the bloody tricentennial attack and destroyed in the late 3080. A pirate band backed by the word of Blake raided the facility in an attempt to capture clan technology, only discovered that they were a diversion as the defending 10th Phalanx battled the pirates. Uh, okay. Yeah, it didn't really tell you much about the planet on what's going down there. Doesn't really. The old it says blade, its highest man. native life is mammals. <laughs> yep, there you go. By the way, how crazy is Battletech lore that you just picked a random fucking planet and went into Sarna and there's all that fucking shit written about it? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, it doesn't really tell me what the women look like on said planet, but that's all right. I guess we'll just have to guess. <laughs> Educated guess. They look it's, like women. Not, not it's, one, it's one point. Things, bud. It's 1.04 Earth gravity, so that probably means they're a little thicker, which I'm okay with. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, aren't we all? That's it's all right. It's, <laughs> it's the third planet from the sun, so they get a lot of sun. So basically, I took Space Brazil. Like Clan <laughs> Ghost awesome. Bear has Space Brazil, which I'm 100 percent okay with. <laughs> yeah, took that from Scott. Scott don't have Space Brazil no more. Cool, man. You ever been to fucking Space Rio de Janeiro? How <laughs> you space wind up in a space bathtub with a space kidney missing? Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. 
<laughs> is one it of the continents named every... Favela. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see here. Let's see what we got. All right, so all that aside, we do have some emails that came in. Uh, first one came from Mark. It says, hi, I'm in the military, and they're going to be moving me soon, and I need an effective way to safely transport delicate models. I've heard of people magnetizing them to metal trays, and I didn't know an effective way of doing that. A lot of the models are on different bases than the Games Workshop standard and are not concave at the bottom, so I can't exactly put a bulging magnet under it and it will not be flush and therefore not stable. I have about a month to buy all the items and do whatever it takes to get this done. Please let me know if there's anything, if this does not make sense, and anything, and I will clarify. Ooh, a month? Okay, he sent this on November 19th, so we got time. Okay. You're okay. in a fucking tight well, spot, Mark. Just, you can drill a hole in the bottom of the base... Like Jesus. the base is not a That's piece of paper. Do. Yeah, just drill a hole and go to K and J Magnetics. Get in fifty-two magnets. Those are the strongest ones for the size, so they don't have to be very big. Just go to K and J Magnetics. Get in fifty-two magnets. If you order them, you can order them. They'll send them uh, post service, whatever. You'll have them if you order them. You usually get them in two to three days. They come really fast. And if you just want something cheap and temporary just for transportation, like what you're saying, just go buy cookie sheets from Walmart. Just a big cookie sheet. It's made of metal. Slap them on there. Um, if you, you, you want to get a little... It's, it's actually called a brownie pan is the one that has a cover on it. If you get the... there, You can actually get them at Big Lots and they're $3. And it's a metal brownie pan and it comes with a plastic snap-on cover. And that way How you thick? can cover your minis, and they'll have a carrying case. Oh, they're it's it's probably like eight inches tall. It's they're massive. Oh, awesome! Boom! There you go. That's it. That's all you need. Brownie pan, plastic cover, magnets from K and J Magnetics. Drill fucking holes in your bases. Good to go. In fifty-two magnets. You're done. If you're looking at size, man, I'd probably say a five millimeter by two or three millimeter and that way you don't have to go super deep with the drill hey and hey k and j magnetics is an american company son they don't deal with any of that measuring shit and whatever units they are we do things in fucking football fields and standard over here sir okay uh so you're looking for a .19685 inch <laughs> by <laughs> Point one one eight one eight one one inch, and that's that not how they do it in the right ballpark. <laughs> just that's like, not how they do it. <laughs> we are enough. not being helpful right uh, now. So you're looking by a three sixteenth inch by a uh, three thirty two inch if you can. Uh, that's the approximate size in inches. Uh, don't go for something that's like don't go for like the little baby ones which are like you know, 132, like the one millimeter or the two millimeter stuff, the one sixteenth of an inch, stay away from that because you're, you're going to want that magnet. Although it is N52, which is going to be an extremely powerful magnet. You still want a lot of it to hold that entire miniature down. So I'd say anywhere between three thirty second of an inch and just eighth. short of a quarter inch, like yeah, quarter inch, eighth, Probably stick around. I'd get um. I'd get eighth. I get eight. Just get an eighth by an eighth, or sorry, get a get um. 
let's see diameter. You can get three three sixteenths around by eighth inch thick, right? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, but that's still big. That's four millimeters thick. That's huge. Like right now, the uh, the bottom of a uh, the bottom of a Games Workshop base that concave is three millimeters. It's actually a little bit less than three three millimeters. That's three thirty second. So you probably want to so do get a one sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. A, a sixteenth by an eighth is what I would probably suggest on that one. Yeah, sixteenth sixteenth thick eighth inch diameter magnet. And you can and, and if you need you good to go. Yeah, like on an infantry model, I would just put two of them on there, one on one side and one on the other. That's probably plenty. And if you got something that's made of like white metal or like an old ass model or whatever, just do three. Yeah, uh, with my dust models, I've been doing a ten millimeter by one millimeter, which is uh, three eighths of an inch by one thirty second, and those hold just fine. Now, the reason why I can do that with dust models is because they are slightly concave on the inside, so I can just slap that on there, one millimeter tall. But I would try and get either break that up in a half, which would be two five millimeter magnets, like Ryan is saying, or you know. If you can, if you want to get a big drill, which I would not suggest doing, and drill out a uh, three-eighth inch hole, very small. No, you you want to use a small diameter magnet. You can just drill multiple small holes if you need more magnet surface. Just drill two, three, four holes, whatever. I have some dark age models that I've done it to, and the ones that are like on an eighty mil base, which is like Derrideo size base or Leviathan Dreadnought. I've just done four of them on the bottom, just like you know in a square shape on the bottom of a round base. If you were to connect the dots and they fucking hold, like you can literally turn the thing upside down, shake it, whatever. It's not a big deal. Oh, and here's a pro tip. Start drilling before you press it against the model. So start, start, get the drill going before, like get it moving and then push the, push the base against it. Cause if you don't, it's going to try and turn the base with you. And then like, if you have like a Dragon Forge resin base, it'll turn into like a blade and slice the fuck out of your finger. Just letting yeah. you know. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> so. So there's Dude, that. I love that how dangerous this fucking hobby is to your hands, man. It's so awesome when some shit like that happens. You just don't see it coming at all. <laughs> Okay, so this next one comes from Jonas. He says, Taint Ed Weapons. Uh, hello, Michael at Warhammer 30K. You may be a general hobby podcast, but you still have that 30K moniker. Also, the Kimmel Pewter still runs on 30K. Anywho, I want to know the best character build to be equipped with a Word Bearer's Tainted Weapon. Currently, I have a modeled with a Diabolist with a Taint Weapon and a Power Claw and just magnetized Jump Pack. If it's a shitty loadout, just lie to me. Uh, gonna give him a burning lore <laughs> and generate powers from biomancy to improve strength or AP of the on the taint weapon. Might stick him with a squad of twenty assault marines and try and get them all daemon unvulnerable saves through dark channeling. I'd love to give the diabolist a power fist, but it ain't permitted. Anyways, keep the various hobby content. It's all enjoyable. Thanks, Jonas. So he's on the right track. That's the w exactly the way you need to do it because that thing is. Uh has no AP value at all. That's so brutal. That, With Biomancy? Jesus, God. Well, it, even, <laughs> even then, it's like if you can get Iron Arm, you're good to go. Because Iron Arm gives you Crush, 
which automatically makes you AP two. Yep. Like it just ge- it gives you AP two if you have Iron Arm and you get it off. Plus, it increases your strength and toughness. So by increasing your strength by three, you're going from strength four to strength seven. So you're you're getting you're making it where it wounds more often, and then you're also ignoring armor saves, and then it has instant death. So it makes it better than like a Paragon Blade or anything like that at that point. So the more times you can roll on Biomancy, the better. So the the old, the best way I can tell you to do that is to put it on a Librarian because a Librarian can get to level two. So if you can sneak a, a level two Librarian in there and give it to him, that's probably the best way to go. Other than that, you could give it to a... Uh, Praetor as like a backup weapon um, where he still has a Paragon Blade and then that thing. And then um, basically hope, like if you don't and then also take Burning Lore on him, and then if you end up with Iron Arm, you can just, you know, not use that Paragon Blade and instead use your fucking, you know, Flint your Flint Knife that's enhanced with demon powers. Um, And then if you don't roll you know, very good on the biomancy. Like, say you roll up hemorrhage or whatever, and you want to cry in a corner, you just <laughs> default to the paragon blade. That's probably the two best ways I know to do it. Kabam! That's it. Simple enough, man. <laughs> So that's going to be it, dude. It's like they were testing to... It's like they were testing to see if you're slipping since we haven't played in a while. Guess what, folks? Don't call it a comeback. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm like uh, Will Ferrell from Old School where they ask him the question. Nobody thinks he's going to know. And he just zones out and like spouts out all the bullshit. And James Carville's like, that's exactly right. And then he goes back to being an idiot. (laughs) I love that movie. Um, but yeah, my adder is seven percent more done now. Ever since starting this podcast, <laughs> go little guy, go! You'll be cl- you'll be carrying so many clan mechs soon. It's or good clan mechs, clan elemental. Like it. <laughs> hey, on the bright side, elementals do count as armor. When you're carrying them, if it hits a location where they hold on to, so there you go. You hit, it hits the elemental instead, so they count as a blade of armor for a mech while yeah. it's carrying them. <laughs> there you have it. Badass, even better. Like you're all yeah. worried about this armor on my mechs. I'm, I'm loaded up on dudes. Well, yeah. that's what's so funny about having that dasher that has three armor on the arm or whatever or on the fucking torso or a whatever. The the elemental itself is way tougher than the mech armor. So by putting Elementals on your dasher, you're literally like doubling the armor. Would you look at that? Maybe, maybe he's on to something. <laughs> nah, you just, just hit it in the legs up. instead of the torso. You can't move 20 uh, inches anyway, with no legs. No, you can't move anywhere with no legs. Tell that to uh, Oscar Pistorius, bro. This episode. Oh. He's in. So, he's moved a lot of places. <laughs> to yeah, prison. To now, prison. 
But you have anything else you want to shout out? Anything like that, or we good to go? Close out to some music. Um, I think we're good. Close it out. We'll do that other uh, right. BattleTech video soon. Yep. All right. Well, y'all have a good one. Later. Yeah.